The Evening Brothers are proud to present Twinkie Talk. Welcome to Twinkie Talk. Twink oh, you're going to start? Uh, Damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can do it. <laughs> Welcome to Twinkie Talk, brought to you by the Evening Brothers. I am Brother Lincoln. I'm Brother John. <laughs> I'm Brother Preston. <laughs> Do we want to, should we include, just before we get too far into this podcast and it's become a thing, should we include some sort of description about what we do? Because Twinkie Talk and Evening Brothers mean nothing to anyone. Well, I think we talked about that we're going to, that the goal is like to punish each other with bad movies and then discuss them. Right. I think that's but enough, right? you didn't right? say that just well, now. Well, I, I just did. Okay. All right. Yeah, that well, counts. The, um, the kind of the thing is, I've I've learned that this trope of three white men watching bad movies and then talking about them is, is not a, um, it's not like a unexplored niche of the podcasting space. <laughs> maybe maybe that's what we should do is we should just call ourselves the first podcast where three men, white men talk about movies. I think that's and that's see great. If anyone stops us? Just, just boldly assert it. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you don't you don't think we are? Okay. Cool. Great. <laughs> well, well, it's your episode. It my is dude. my episode. Um, we're going to talk about the movie uh, Real Steel, which was released in, I think, 2011, uh, starring Hugh Jackman and Evangeline Lilly. Um, it was a movie St that. Wait, hey, hold on. Wait, was it starring Evangeline Lilly? No, she's, in, she was she's in involved. Like six minutes. <laughs> I mean, she was probably she in the was... previews. She's like a headliner. She, like. She wandered onto set, is I think what happened. Well, anyways, it's a it's a movie with very good CGI, and I will say that without a hint of irony, like it's quite excellent. Yeah, I know it's really solid. about uh, robots boxing each other. And the very first thing I want to bring up is they reference like dates a lot. They talk about the fact that robot boxing got its start in 2016. <laughs> this movie was released five years before that. So they were really, really optimistic about <laughs> robot boxing really taking off in the next, you know, four years. Not only that, they were also very pessimistic about how real boxing would go. Yeah, they're like, oh, people got so sick of real boxing so quick. You know what? I think it really was they were betting on the success of Real Steel to ignite the robot boxing revolution. That's a, that's anyway, a conspiracy theory right it. there. It worked for me. I tried to learn. I distinctly remember watching this movie and trying to learn how to make robots that look like each other. Yeah, it was. Same. I mean, it was very inspiring as a movie for all of us, I think. I remember I played the R Real Steel video game that you could get on, on iOS. Very good. And I paid real money, like real human money, to buy a really good robot. Do you happen to remember the MSRP on that particular robot? I think it was $5. Which at the time was a lot for you, I imagine. It, it, I mean, it's that's like a million dollars in app money, like and also like like essentially thirteen year old money. Lincoln money. Yeah, yeah. There you go, <laughs> Lincoln. You had us uh, before we watched this movie, and I don't, Preston. I don't know if you did your homework. <laughs> um, you had us write down uh, what we thought of this movie before watching it, like what we remember from the movie. Do you want us to touch on that now? Or do you yeah, yeah. I would. I'd love to time? hear what was your even if you didn't write it down. What was your like? current memory of it before revisiting real steel Preston, do you have it do oh you i mean i definitely didn't write it down but it was very nostalgia robots boxing robots you know 
And I just remember being okay, so really, you, really so stoked as a kid. So you looked at the poster. <laughs> you saw the poster and you went, what could I pretend to have remembered? No, this? I'm serious. Nostalgia? Nostalgia? I just, uh, robots. Right. I just, I just remember, I remember this movie very fondly for boxing robots, being really, really stoked about boxing robots, and Hugh Jackman shadow boxing with a robot. Like, oh, yeah. That is a pivotal scene. Like, his, like, little jump and swing. Like, that is absolutely what I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, John? Um, I did write mine down. Uh, I said, a heartwarming, feel-good, father-son extravaganza with exciting <laughs> robot boxing matches. And then, which I think stands. I think that, yeah. that follows. But Maybe not extravaganza. That, it was a sort of a, a substravaganza. <laughs> but, but beneath that, the next paragraph, <laughs> I would love to talk to you guys about this. Um, I wrote, I also remember having a major crush on one of the characters in this movie, but I don't know which one. And here's the fun thing is I've seen the movie now again, and I still don't know which one it was. <laughs> is it the robot? It, it might have been the robot. <laughs> How could it? I, mean, there, I think there's one female character in the whole movie. Okay, but here's the thing. It definitely was not Evangeline Lilly. Like, I can guarantee you that. Was it Hugh Jackman? Okay. My... My it might have been my current <laughs> running theory was there's okay at the final fight there's you know those like the sign holder ladies the number mm. ladies oh, I'm yeah. sure there's a word for them yeah there's one of those that's dressed up like a robot and I think that might have been her she's I I remember my eye being caught by that robot costumed woman for yeah. I think she's on screen for like what ten frames. I believe so, and those ten frames really stuck with me. They really fueled me through my teenage years. Wow. Okay. Um, good to know. That's, that's, those are really good to know. I so told I you to do that, and then I promptly did not write down my thoughts about Real Steel. But I'll tell you what I remember is. Wow. I remember thinking it was awesome. I remember defending it to other people who said it was dumb. Sure. And I remember um, being really into that Hugh Jackman shadow boxing scene at the end. So, um, Did you also try to learn how to make robots? Oh, I was always trying to make robots when I was a kid. Like, all okay, my so I, journals as a kid are filled with robot designs. That does make us the perfect trio for this. Oh, yeah. that means that absolutely none of us thought, I could learn to box. We all thought, <laughs> I can make a robot that will do that for me. I think um, maybe the best way to go is just, I'm going to go through the notes that I made in chronological order and kind of describe my reaction. And why don't you, both of you can chime in with your own notes. We'll kick in as we go, yeah. Okay, so the first thing that I saw, or the first like really strong emotion I felt was worry, because the opening shots of the this movie with the van driving down the highway as this song plays are like really solid. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's really good camera work, and it's like a nice song, and it's like very thoughtful and kind of quiet and contemplative. And I was like, wait, are we gonna? Is this movie like good? Are we gonna not have anything oh, so to make fun of? You were worried that you you kind of sucker punched us into watching a good movie that's enjoyable. Yeah, I was worried that I wasn't going to make you suffer enough because I was like, this movie, this part is actually good. But the reason that no, it's good is because no one has spoken yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, I think, a point that I, that's going to keep coming up as we go. Oh, for sure. I wrote down a lot of a lot of these. Um, I also said that the script feels like it was a first draft that someone just picked up like Dusty off a desk and went, "Well, we can make that. Why not?" Yeah, it needed it needed a few rounds, which I think we'll get to a more specific complaints as we go. I'd love to. The second thing I I definitely saw is it's got that 2010s stank to it. 
It feels explain, very much. Just explain that. I don't know. It's just got like the way people are dressed and the way people talk to each other is just so distinctly like mid 2010s, and it's like okay. it it's supposed to take place in the future, but it is so inexorably 2011 when oh, they definitely. Made that movie. They, yeah. they definitely put zero effort into making anything look futuristic besides the robots. Like they slapped some fancy screens in like his truck and called it a day. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, basically nothing else in the world evolved. We still have got gas cars by 2027. We still are like mainly fossil fuel powered, except we have anthropomorphic, giant, completely autonomous robots. Right. That we that we kill for sport <laughs> in front that of each other. That are just so so normal that we send them out to fight bulls, a real <laughs> living animal. And then my, my next note after that says, Yeehan Musk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think thank it's you because for, that it, cowboy thank you for like Elon Musk. summing that up beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's... That's exactly right. percent. <laughs> wow. That's really good. <laughs> but I, okay, well, we're about five minutes into the movie now, and I want to hear what everyone else has to say so far. Oh, man. Nothing's going to be better than <laughs> Eon. I don't want to follow that up. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I, I, a running theme. I had two running themes. One of them I'll get to later, because it's maybe the biggest discovery I've ever made in my entire life. And oh, the I'm other, so I heard about this. The before. other... Is um, is I'm I did some math uh, later on because they gave us a little number num, and I so you, we can trust my math or I can go through it if you want. But these robots conservatively weigh a thousand pounds, right? Okay. So that's what we're told is that they weigh about a thousand pounds. Which yeah, yeah, that checks out. To to me, feels like you wouldn't have to box with a bull. You would just have to sort of sit on it, and then you'd probably be okay. I, I don't actually know how strong bulls are, but I, I bet we would right. be surprised at how much they could actually, like, move with their bodies. Right, right, right. But here's my other – and I thought about that, too. Um, this robot has a hop button, which I find incredibly strange. That it can move a 1,000 pounds directly straight up into the air? Straight – up into the air and it like it's nothing as if it were nothing and that feels to me like you could play a different game and that game is called mario where you just jump on a living thing and squash it to death speaking of squashing it to death we see uh we see hugh jackman's robot lose but was he planning on killing this bull like was that what his that end was game a, was oh, that's a good i think so he seems like he's got a dark soul like like, we see him, like, punching it, and then he's like, finish the job. And it's like, what are you, like, <laughs> the bull's not going to, like, get knocked out. It's a bull. Like, you're going to kill it, or it's going to kill you. Like, Right, tr- you tear the bull in half, because you're <laughs> Hugh Jackman, and you have a bloodlust that cannot be curred. I think it's really funny that he gets distracted by a hot girl. He just, like, turns to the side and gets distracted, and then the bull attacks him. Like, you have to literally focus for 40 more seconds, and you would be fine. Right. <laughs> and like peripheral vision is a thing that exists <laughs> like i feel like you would see hey there's this this shape running towards my robot like 
Oh, I thought you were talking about the woman. Like, hey, there's well, a shape. Yeah. There's a no, shape no, no, in no, the like... shape of a woman. I'll acknowledge her 40 seconds from now after I win this fight. <laughs> you think she's going to lose which interest? Will, which will improve my chances pretty significantly, <laughs> I feel. Oh, this is a great example of the 2000 stink I was talking about with the little girl who he tries to charge $5 for a photo with a robot. And then sure. the girl's dragging away the robot arm, and he's like, give it back. And she yeah. goes, yeah, for $5. Like, oh, got him so good. <laughs> that actually does. That's got a lot going on. So, actually, I did some more math. <laughs> John, this is, like, uncharacteristic of you. I got something really – you. okay, so here's what you did to me, is you gave me a movie that is good enough to – do math about but not at all good enough to make me not want to do the math during the movie so this is what you get is when you okay. give me that kind of movie but okay so if we acknowledge that these robots are around a thousand pounds right then there were there there, there were two girls and they were lifting a like a fifth of that robot right because <laughs> it's a whole arm right so those girls are conservatively lifting, and I don't I, because the thousand pound robot was a later robot, which makes me think it would be a lighter robot. Yes, because assumedly it would get lighter I don't, so that it could. I think Noisy Boy is more fighting. densely packed. I'm not talking about Noisy Boy. It was a different one. Which one was a thousand <laughs> was, pounds? It was the, the the Centurion one. I don't remember his, his Midas. Name. Midas, yeah, I think I, he was. A th anyway, that's not the point. The point, Lincoln, <laughs> is that <laughs> these girls are lifting these like. 10-year-old girls are lifting 200 pounds. I think yeah, lifting, just like casually dragging bold, the I, they were dragging. They were dragging. You know. Okay, so, then they were dragging 200 pounds. They're 10-year-olds. 10-year-olds you know, can't drag I, themselves I'm gonna, sometimes. I'm going to pull a, like, this, I'm going to take what I assume is going to be Preston's position, because I think he's going to agree with me. I bet that the limbs are among the lighter portions of the robot. That's why I'm saying Like, the heavier part is probably the leg and the torso. The arms are probably much lighter. The no, arms no, might be... they were definitely dragging a leg, Lincoln. Oh, okay, a leg. <laughs> oh, okay. shoot. Shoot. Never mind and then. Those, and those Other legs way around. jumps. They're probably 400 pounds then. <laughs> so they're each lifting 200 pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you saw how, how badass her response was to Hugh Jackman, you'd understand how she was able to lift that much weight. That was pretty sweet. I'll give you that. <laughs> And I like that Hugh Jack he doesn't, like, you know, you would think that, like, ha, ha, he goes and takes the leg. No, no, he just lets it slide. Like, yeah, that's true. He's like, oh, you got me there. Like, Good point. Touche. He's not like, I am 6'2". I can just wrestle this exactly. leg from your hands. <laughs> I, I am an adult with adult muscles and an adult body. I know. And, like, presumably with how concerned he is about money, you would think that he would, you know. He, he would Take put it. up at least a little bit of right, a fight. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was more important to get away fast than it was to get the leg of that robot. I mean... It's possible. Okay, the next scene that happens is that scene in the courtroom where he's like... They're like talking about this kid's future and they establish three separate times that the aunt is wealthy. Yes, they do. I noted that too. <laughs> no, 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 they say no, it the no, first not, time she not, goes... Lincoln, not that the aunt is wealthy, that her the husband, aunt's husband is. is wealthy. Oh yeah, that is yeah, my note right. does Marvin. say aunt's husband, Marvin. His name is Marvin. The first thing that goes, I can only assume that he walks around with envelopes of fifty thousand dollars in cash all, all the, time. the time. Well, if you were wealthy and you could walk around with fifty thousand dollars in cash, wouldn't <laughs> I, you? I suppose you could. We have her go. 
my husband is very wealthy. We're able to take care of him. And then it happens again. She says, like, almost verbatim the same thing. We're able to support Max because because we're, we're rich. And then we have Hugh Jackman take note of of the watch. It's like we established for us twice, and the, but Hugh wasn't there for the that those first two times. <laughs> so he had to get one as well. Which makes you think maybe, just maybe, they could have tightened that up just a little bit. <laughs> maybe you think like... Like a, a second round of editing would have cleared that up and said, we only need one establishment because this movie is through Hugh Jackman's perspective. They needed, they needed it to be clear, Lincoln. <laughs> uh, Just how wealthy right, Marvin exactly. is. Marvin, Marvin, I can only assume, money bags. <laughs> Marvin R.H. money bags, which is <laughs> R.H. stands for rich, comma, having, comma. <laughs> <laughs> I do like just as we as we start getting into the the courtroom scene and all that. I like how quickly Hugh Jackman's character, which I'd love that I know Marvin's name and I don't remember <laughs> what Hugh Jackman's character's name was. Uh, I think it's Charlie because later on Evangeline Lily says it like sixteen times in the span of one minute. That does sound right. Okay, so we'll say Charlie. I like how I like how quickly Charlie is like. Well, I could sell this kid like sell instantly, this kid. which is kind of funny. It's the opposite of uh, Jean Valjean. In which was Hugh Jackman's character in Les Mis because he spends, he actually buys a kid in Les Mis. <laughs> he was so upset That's a good point. after selling a kid real steel that he had to do Les Mis to, to ease his conscience. Are, we, are, are you suggesting that Hugh Jackman does not quite understand what acting is? So he's like, I sold a kid. Oh no. I, I don't think you're so far out because every time in this movie, Real Steel, where he is expected to act like a poor father, he does such a bad job at it. He is so bad at playing a bad father because we all know that he is the best dad. Like, he is such That's a dad. True. Well, and bad dads are such a touchy, like, you can't show a really bad dad without people being like, that guy's a bad person. Like, no yeah. for him. It, it definitely has to so be, like, Jack a little ridiculous and, like, farcical, for lack of a better word. Absurd. There we go. That's, yeah, he's like, that's I'm going to sell my kid. No, we're sticking with farcical. farcical. I like that. Is a farcical like when it's so cold outside that your fart freezes in the air? No, it's a farcical. <laughs> oh, sorry, I misheard. It was the connection. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Sorry, not all of us have fancy microphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's kind of uh, there's some poetic uh, symmetry in the fact that he sold a quiet boy and bought a noisy boy. <laughs> He sure did. <laughs> Except, okay, actually, you know what? Hey, let's get into it. This kid sucks so bad. He is the I worst. would sell this kid. <laughs> I, I have a note it's about a the dick. speech <laughs> that he makes towards the end of the movie. <laughs> that speech he makes challenging Midas to a fight. Was it Midas? No. No. Zeus. Zeus. No, that was Zeus, Zeus, yeah. Challenging Zeus to a fight. I was like, wanted to leave the room because I was so embarrassed for him. He's so awful. And that exact moment I wrote, I still actively dislike this kid about 60% of the time. <laughs> but he dances, John. He dances with the robot. No, I saw. I saw the, that he did the a dancing is fine. The dancing is fine. It's it's the like, oh, we're, we're going to defeat everybody. I'm so cool. He does, it's that. It's, it's that he thinks he's better than everyone. Yeah, and then, like, the, the, the problem that I have is that this movie doesn't prove him otherwise. Like, That's if true. he felt that way and then he got taken down a peg, I'd be great with it. Mm. But he doesn't. How much... I think we all we all have the same similar reaction to this to this boy. I think his name is Max. 
Is this because is we, as kids, were very jealous of the fact that he got a robot and we did not get a robot? Lincoln, 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 look at me directly <laughs> in my eyes. A hundred percent, that's what it is. I'm still jealous. I'm so mad that he got a robot. A robot that will pick him up and carry him around town. I want, I want a robot that is vaguely maybe alive, but also not so alive that I have to worry about whether or not it's going to destroy the world, you know? That was, that was another thing. I remember being as a kid being like, is the robot alive? And then I was realizing, like, this movie does have some conflicted messaging about whether or not the robot's alive. It, it kind does, of, yeah. Which I would give it some credit for that, but I don't really know if they meant to be conflicted about it. <laughs> My theory is that there were two versions of the script. One of them, it was alive, and one of them, it wasn't. And then they just sort of fell down some <laughs> stairs, and all the pages got mixed together. Or they accidentally sent one script to the first unit director and the other one to the second unit director. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And the second unit director got the he is alive shot, so he was, like, filming all of the sides of the robot. And he's like, okay, focus really hard on his face. Okay, now pull to the mirror. We got to show that he's alive. He's got to show that he's alive, guys. And then the, the rest of the movie is like, no, he just mimics. He just mimics. Um, oh, I want to just, this is a, a little sidebar, but as I was watching this movie, I watched it with my parents, and my mom sitting to the left of me said at about 20 minutes in the movie that she totally could tell what was going to happen. Oh, this is, you know, that was probably the number one thing that I kept <laughs> thinking about is this movie is so predictable. This movie is so predictable. Like, the script is predictable. The movie's predictable. And I love this movie, but it is so, it's just. (laughs) Preston, I'll I'll challenge you on the script being Mm. predictable, because at one Mm. point, um, Hugh Jackman does ask this child how he knows Japanese, and that kid does say video games. (laughs) So. And, And you didn't see that coming? You saw of all the things, you thought video games was gonna be his answer to that question? Well, look at look at look at How do you little, know Japanese? At, they teach it in school now. How do you know Japanese? I spent oh, a summer I, in Tokyo. Anime. How do you know Japanese? I spent a summer in Tokyo. How do you know Japanese? Video games. What? <laughs> what? I would have more expected I'm an Akira Kurosawa fan. Like I would have expected I'm a fan of Japanese cinema. Hey, more hey, than John. I expected him to just John. two words. Video man, games. John. Remember, yeah, this is up? this is in a, a movie where they need to set him up as playing video games so he can control the robot. Okay, you know what? It would have been a lot easier if they say, <laughs> how are you so good at controlling a robot? And he says, right. video, games. video games. I would have bought that, but how do you know Japanese video games? And then he's just like, and anyway, so I'm good at fighting ro- real robots in the real world where we currently live. I played a lot of video games as a child. And never once was I taught Japanese as a part of that process. Well, you also never no. had the opportunity to pick up a robot from a junkyard and drive it around, so. <laughs> yes, and we've established we're all very sad about that. Um, I, right around that, I have a note of Hugh Jackman's character saying, I spent the money on a robot, it's gone! And I just love, I just really can picture all three of us telling somebody that exact sentence. (laughs) Also, the fact that he does that like five seconds before, like right in front of the kid. That's a really good (laughs) point, actually. The kid's like, I want some money. And he's like, you you saw me. You literally saw me pull off (laughs) five grand and hand the rest off. Also, they play Eminem, Eminem songs throughout this movie. Oh, like songs that were written in 2010. 
And it's like, there is no way that anyone is listening to this in 2027. I thought that's what you meant when you said 2010s stank. No. Because there was a oh, lot that's of part of it too. There. I don't disagree with you, but I would, again, I'd like to challenge you because this does take place in 2020. No, it's 2027. It's not 2027. I'm pretty sure it's 27. Go- I'm Googling it right now. When I, They say 2027. Steal take place. Googling. 2020. Really? Yeah. And that's important. <laughs> that is important for a future revelation that I have had. That we got COVID instead of robots? No, but th- yeah, we do live in the worst timeline. That's for sure. <laughs> Okay, well, all of my jokes about Eminem were based on it being in 2027. I was so I'm, convinced. I still think it, it qualifies for 2020. That's, <laughs> that's still 10 years later. There's no way people are listening to Eminem now. Um, Falcon is in this movie? Yeah, Anthony Mackie. Love him. And he says the phrase, 50,000 guaranteed, winner takes all, which is just, what? Which one? <laughs> is it that Wait, you get 50,000 guaranteed or is it winner takes all? <laughs> That's a really good point, actually. And then the kid's like, no, let's just let's just take a smaller fight, Dad. And Hugh Jackman's like, uh, idiot kid, let's just gamble my life savings away one more time. But if you're going to go out, Midas, I feel, is the coolest robot to die from. Yeah, that's true. I like him very much. Next iconic Anthony Mackie quote is, Midas against Noisy Boy. Noisy Boy against Midas. Which is like, again, like, yeah. <laughs> you already Man. told us that one. I really just, like, I took everything he said and just went, yep, that sounds right. I think just because it's Anthony Mackie and he's great. That's probably why they cast him in that role is, hey, people are going to be thinking too hard about the script. (laughs) We have some terrible lines. Can you deliver them and make him not think about it? Yes, I can. Yes, I I just, in, in fact, can. And then we get to an actual robot fight. Where the movie gets awesome. It ju- it kicks into high gear for a second. Like, every time it's just a robot match, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this movie. This is so fun. I, yeah, I feel like I, this is such a roller coaster for me. Like, I'm, I'm not sure I'm tall enough for this ride. Because <laughs> every time a robot match starts, I go, why are there not, like, 18 sequels to this movie? And then the robot match ends, and we have to <laughs> pretend that these people are humans. And I go, oh, never mind. That's, well, that's why. why. I'm going to go ahead and just... I know it's a little early in this podcast for pitching different versions of this movie, but how would you have liked to seen a faux documentary about the rise of Adam? And like, it's mostly fight footage with like robot boxing historians doing like talking heads in between. How we could, we could cut this movie into that currently. And it's 40 minutes long and it is a hundred percent better. Yes, absolutely. Just cut all of it out. Actually, you know what? You don't even have to cut all that much out. Just rearrange and put a weird filter over the scenes where they're like going to collect all the atom parts. You just do a freeze that. frame and like a Ken Burns slide. You don't even have to do that. You could you could just say put in text and like a little little subtext in the bottom corner, and it just says like recreation of actual <laughs> events, and then I would buy it. They're they're re- reenacting the story according to what, yeah. the, their best idea of what happened. I love that. That's why the dialogue's so clunky. This because it's just like they're making it up. 100%. I love that. I love that. The next Would note you... I have says, I love watching robot boxing and I am so sad it's not real. I can't. Okay. It's actually hilarious that you bring that up because I was about to ask a question that I wrote down, which is, would you guys go see robot yes. boxing if it was yes. real? Obviously. Yes. <laughs> Me too. That'd be it's awesome. so cool. I love robot boxing. Like, but this is not like that. 
what did, what was the like robot fighting thing we had in this timeline for a while? Battlebots. Yeah, it was Battlebots. Ba- no. I don't want that Battlebots like little little boxes with wheels on them. I want like humanoid, fully autonomous, like jumping around the ring robot boxing. Absolutely. Yeah, I want it to like tear limb from limb, not be like a mouse droid from Star Wars. Like oh, that yeah. doesn't qualify for yeah. me. I, there's a scene when they're getting when they're through the junkyard and they're getting Adam for the first time. First of all, there's a Saturn V rocket at that junkyard. Where, why did the VFX artist throw that in there? Like, <laughs> what's this timeline where the Saturn V rocket got decommissioned and put to a junkyard in the Midwest? But uh, I'll tell you exactly what happened. <laughs> Robot boxing happened, and everyone went. Well, I can't leave this planet <laughs> now. <laughs> okay, but second of all, Hugh Jackman talks about the fact that like. We we made him not human because we wanted the spectacle. We wanted like this. We didn't want like regular boxing. We wanted all the spectacle. And he talks about it like it's this diminution of boxing. Like it's this corruption of it. And it, I'm all the time thinking like, yeah, but they're not people anymore. Like, Right. So it's actually great. We made the biggest possible step when we stopped punching each other and started making robots that don't feel pain punch each other. I do love that he talks about that like it's a super dark turn that the the world took. Like, dude, you have to know that there was a different possibility where they just chose not to include robots in the making it more brutal. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, the people wanted destruction. Yeah, because they're robots. Like we don't we wouldn't crave destruction if they were humans. <laughs> have you seen UFC? <laughs> or like if we did, that would be the thing to have a problem with. Throwing that out there. I mean, <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, we are in the darkest we're, timeline. Maybe, maybe they weren't. Maybe this isn't a different timeline where maybe they were just off by several mm. years. <laughs> Robot boxing has yet to really get the foothold that this movie had predicted it would. Super disappointing. Incredibly disappointing. This brings me to my next point, uh, which contains a fact about this movie, which is that it was executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Great. And the reason I, I bring that up now is because of that scene where Max is sliding down the dirt because he fell and he slips down the dirt and he gets saved by the robot's hand sticking out of the dirt. Uh-huh. And I am, I am so convinced that Steven Spielberg only signed on as executive producer. If one scene had a kid serendipitously escaping death. <laughs> like, I don't disagree with that. That was a very Spielbergian scene. Like I'm not stepping on unless a kid miraculously brushes with death and survives. Like that is the only case that I'm signing on to this film. I'd love to touch on that moment real quick because I, the way that it's cut in the movie, the only assumption that I can make, and I backed it up repeatedly to make sure that I was right <laughs> about this, the only assumption that I can make is that that robot's arm went directly up Max's asshole, like directly <laughs> in and up. That is the only way that the like science works. Because <laughs> then, and then there's like a there's a close up shot of his face being all surprised. It fits perfectly. <laughs> Like I dare you to watch that scene again and tell me that I'm wrong I about the way that I will never that watch that scene again specifically. <laughs> yeah, Preston's gonna just his finger is hovering over the fast forward button, and as soon as that kid slips, he's like, seconds, "Gone." That's all you need. I've made a discovery. Tell us about tell us about your discovery. Let me tell you. Let me let just just if I may have the floor for a moment, Council. Um, this is 100% a Pacific Rim prequel without question. This is absolutely a Pacific Rim prequel because this takes place in 2020. Pacific Rim is in 2025. Now, I have a little map of how the development goes. (laughs) Absolutely no chance 
that they developed all the robot tech after the kaiju attack at Pacific Rim. It had to be a variation on already existent tech. I think we can all agree on that. So yes, what's better than hand-controlled robots, voice-controlled robots? This movie proves that. What's better than voice-controlled robots, neural link robots? <laughs> so it's like just the next step. This is a prequel to Pacific Rim, and I will not hear otherwise. Well, and you know what it was? Is some general was trying to figure out what to do about the kaiju, and then remembered back mm-hmm. when he was a kid. <laughs> and he saw, a bull he saw a real steel a robot, movie. <laughs> and he said, boom, oh, there's the solution. Perfect. If no, not he, she, it's one of the little girls. <laughs> it's one of the little girls. She still has her robot leg. <laughs> she brought it home. Yeah, but she lost her leg in the war, so now she uses it She's as a one, leg. She has one robot leg. She is eight one feet tall. giant leg. <laughs> you know, I know that that theory is true. I am sure of it because when you said that out loud, it all made, like, I realized I had been assuming that this whole time. Oh, yeah, well, for you sure. You know what's funny is when we were talking about earlier how we wanted to see, like, the rise of Adam, I was thinking, like, the only thing that would have made this movie, well... A thing that would have made this movie better <laughs> is if we had a Pacific Rim style intro, like introducing, oh, yeah. you know, robot boxing narrated by Hugh Jackman. The next thing that happens in the movie is uh, Max takes takes Adam on a run, and then he has Adam like pick him up, and they have so many close up counter close up of the robots that I wrote, I wonder if the boy is going to kiss the robot. <laughs> because it really, the imagery is really there for a, for a solid 10 or 12 seconds. You just got to change the music, and it's it's a romantic comedy. <laughs> I hate that so much. I do think, if we're going to talk about the actual movie, I do think that one of the things that makes this work on some level is the blend of animatronics and CGI. Because there's, there's definitely moments where he's like looking the, at the robot just directly in the face. And if that was just a big CGI robot, nothing would have worked in that moment. That's like, to me, that's like the most frustrating part of this movie is that everything except the script was executed like (laughs) technically flawlessly. Like super, super great. Yeah. Like the cinematography, it's like more colorful and more engaging than most modern blockbusters. The like, (laughs) the action is excellent. The framing is great. Like it looks really, really sharp. It was like, just like really well made the cgi is excellent and the script is just terrible there's no like yeah it's just awful it's just this awful script and so like if you watch it with mute on you'd be like this is a great movie and then you hear them talk you hear lines like uh what's her face daughter of the father daughter zeus team what do you have to say (laughs) about this uh i also yeah yeah it's just it's just not good i do lincoln i appreciate that you've you've taken you know the charge to just really torture us with a movie where I tortured you with the futility of the experience of watching Hugh the Winged Serpent. You tortured us with the like potential for what this could have been. It really could have been good. Like if it had just had like a round of polishing on the script, like they could have shown it to one other guy, like one other person could have given them enough to like make this movie from like a great idea, completely bogged down by a script to a movie with a pretty good script and a really great execution. And a series of descending in quality sequels. I completely agree. <laughs> yes, perfect. Here's, here's here's one thing. I'm really curious about, like... <laughs> here it goes. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for prefacing for us. <laughs> see, see, this is... We're, we're going to get in the weeds here for just a second. 
I want to oh, know. Just to clarify, were we out of the weeds up to this point? <laughs> yeah, we were just point. taking a really high level look at this movie <laughs> until now. No, no, I, I'm really curious, like what the, like what the rules are, as far as like, you know, these robots, because like one of them has, you know, there's twins, the the one that has the two heads, right? Uh-huh. Sure. Like, you know, you could make an argument that that's an advantage or a disadvantage, you know, all day long. Right. And then there's the one robot. Hold on, we're we're in the weeds. Let's talk about it. Is that an advantage at this point? Well, yeah, because you could have two redundant... Like, if the rule is, like, the control has to be in the head, then you can have two redundant controls in the head. Okay. But it's a disadvantage because right. now you have a two... You have a larger target. Right. And also, it, your robot looks dumb as shit. Yeah is another problem. Also, the fact that they took the the word city really literally in the twin city name. Like, he kind of looks like a city as well as a twin. (laughs) (laughs) And then then there's the one robot that has a literal hammer for a hand. No, I think you can't talk about that because that's, like, not regulation. That's, like, street robot boxing. But still. Like, there's no way that robot would have been allowed into competition. Okay, but, Lincoln, would would that robot then fight like would would the owner of that robot accept a challenge from a robot with two hammer arms right exactly and And like zeus has like like, the piston in the forearm for extra punching oh yeah like that's like like where what's where do they draw the line here you know what i'm saying and does it have to be controlled in the same way like could it be can you like at one point you just have an actual boxer fighting right nerds right that seems like you know who's gonna win that yeah, obviously they don't care about the control method. I think it obviously. must be like it's got to vaguely look like Clearly. a human, and that's all our only rules. <laughs> that's the only rule is it has to be humanoid, right? But then, because like, like, why wouldn't you like, you know, just not give your robot a head? Because then it's because <laughs> that wouldn't less look of a target, hey, and then you don't have that's all of terrifying. this. I love it. <laughs> Call it. Call it the headless horseman. We're building some fiction. All right, he has, let's go. He's holding his head in his hands on a like it's a pumpkin, and he has it on one. Yes, of his he arms. can throw it at people, <laughs> and it can retrieve it. It's like a combo move it can do. <laughs> yes, Wait, Preston, I do want to acknowledge just just so so you know that I caught this is I said I bet the rule is it has to look human, and you said yeah, but how would that stop them from not including a head <laughs> on this robot? I mean, okay, so maybe that's the rule, but like, but then then why wouldn't you just make an empty head and like put all of the important stuff in right so just make it it's just a fake head well i think that's like just like a paper mache right exactly (laughs) like it's like a sacrificial thing like like don't put any of the important stuff in the head i think there's also there's so many weird things of like isn't it just like if you had a robot that was adam but you just took every surface that he has and spent money and made it a better material like you'd have a way better robot like that, and the only difference is how much money you spent on it. Right. Counter counter argument: If you took all that money and just put a hundred thousand knives into his chest, all pointing outward, <laughs> and he he does a move that he calls the bear hug. <laughs> What's so? I love this future where it's just like go go wild about robots because I would love to see a robot with two like um, buzz saws on each hand. Or like a set of like four buzz saws that it can punch with at the same time, like That's that would be so cool. cool. And it doesn't what have do a head either. What is his um, name? Buzzsaw Louie. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Okay, so one of us is in charge of naming them. And it's not, not Lincoln. But, but I like that idea. You don't want to call him Buzzsaw Louie? Uh, no. I would call him perhaps Bloodsaw, or maybe... So Bloodsaw maybe... Louie? No, not Bloodsaw Louie. No Louie. No Louie. No Louie no, involved. No, no. <laughs> Just no. Somewhere in the series of fights, there's a moment um, where the kid shouts, I told you I hate hamburgers, and Hugh Jackman goes 100% feral on the rapper and it's says, a, it's, it's a, a burrito. burrito. <laughs> I just, I was remembering that. Also, where is he getting these generic unmarked bags of food to give to his know. son? Do you feel that if this franchise had, had taken off, um, do you feel that it would have crossed over with Fast and Furious at this point? Or? <laughs> I, What's... Okay. Real Steel, Fast and Furious. How are those connected? What oh, happens in yeah, the... Yeah, I can okay, definitely yeah, please, tell you. Please elaborate. Okay, so... okay, wait, wait. Let's set the scene. We are in the good timeline. Real Steel right, did amazing. It, it, it got one round of script polishing, which brought it from like a four or five movie to like an eight or nine movie. Right, and it... At the 10th movie, before the 10th movie, there's a spinoff, and it's called, and I'm very excited about this, The Fast and the Real and the Furious and the Steel. <laughs> the steel. And there's a sequel to it called Too Real, Too Fast, Too Furious, Too Steel. And so here's my pitch. Dominic Toretto has been doing too much, too much spy work, okay? And so he decides, I'm too good at being a spy, and also I might have six kids at this point, so I'm going to retire from being a spy and driving cars through windows and shit. So he goes, <laughs> he retires, and he's presented with an offer somewhere in Cuba to run just this, uh, what I, I can only assume would be some sort of Christian and or Catholic-themed robot that would fight in, in part of his family that would fight other robots. Okay, and so this robot, he, he, he and his six sons that all look exactly like him and, and wear matching wife beaters, they all come together and they all learn to pilot this robot together to face whatever villain is currently happening. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. They face Hugh Jackman and the now 28-year-old whatever that kid's name was. Max. Max, thank you. Okay. And so they have to face them, and by the time they're done facing them, they realize you guys are also family, so they have a corona together, and then they realize that what they really need to be fighting is who gives a shit? Let's say uh, Jack Black. And he... <laughs> and he's Bowser. He's, he's running around. He's not Bowser. We're not bringing another franchise into this, except we are right at the end, but hold on. Wait, he's wait. I, I think I know which one it is. <laughs> I think you probably do. And if you'd like to guess, we'll have a moment for that. He's running around. Jack Black is. He's doing a bad thing to the family. And so they all come together and they fight him and then they win. And then Lincoln guesses. Okay. Well, I just, I think, I think we shouldn't wait for this crossover till the end because the bridge between robots fighting and cars going fast already exists and it's Transformers. Yeah, there it is. It's Transformers. <laughs> I think, I think we need, I think pre- this movie you're talking about the f the fate of the real and the fast and the furious and the steel um, <laughs> can should wait until we get across a a transformers bridge okay so which franchise would you suggest connects with that more well we start with real steel and we have right. we have bumblebee enters the real steel fighting competition as just as a sentient robot by Haley Steinfeld no no pilot he's himself 
Haley Steinfeld Wait, is, no, is like pretending I, to be his pilot, but he's Haley just Steinfeld d- and John Cena because John Cena is also in the Fast and Furious yeah. movies, and, and they're pretending to be the pilot team, but really it's just Bumblebee, and he's just you know <laughs> taking kicking all kinds of ass and taking all kinds of names because he's like a transformer, and clearly right. he's definitely more powerful than all those you know robots. Yeah, because he's then, a space alien. And then he gets, they get recruited because they like rise up the ranks. So they get, they win the championship and they get called to a room. And it's the government who tells the Fast and Furious people to go where they're supposed to go. And they're like, you're in. And they tell them that they have a mission that involves cars. And they're like, okay, we'll go get a car. And then, but it's just Bumblebee again. And so Very then they good. have a car. I'm going to, um, I'm going to take And then this that's where we meet Dominic. A different direction. Not do okay. Fast and the Furious, but I'm, I'm actually hurt in by the that, same okay. way that Fast and the Furious. It's like the first three are like actually about like street racing and cars, and then it just gradually gets more and more. Where you start with yeah. Real Steel, right? There's Real Steel for like two or three movies, and then slowly, 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 they get asked more and more to help with you know spy work and such, culminating okay with pacific rim where suddenly there's alien kaiju and now they have to go fight okay that's okay that's my time i like that can i can i can i put a little something at the end of that certainly okay right at the end because we're obviously ignoring the pacific rim sequel because uh we um right at the oh you have a hot take about pacific rim 2 it's not great but it's i don't think it's Okay, you know what? Great. So we'll, we'll keep the Zipper Grim 2 in there. Okay? That's all I wanted. So then, you know, it's not great, we'll, but it's worthy we'll of... A, I don't think it should be not included. Great. Okay, so we'll make Pacific Steel, and it's a third in the Pacific Rim trilogy, and a whatever ninth in the real steel, okay? <laughs> and so at the end of that movie, who cares what happens in the movie, but at the end of that movie, everything, all the technology has to fall because it's gotten too powerful, right? And so then... And this is where I'm excited about it. Um, Dominic Toretto rolls up and steals a DVD player from the back of a truck. And that's right. It's the beginning of the Fast and Furious franchise. (laughs) So they they burn it all down and turn the clock back to to like 20. Exactly. 2005. 2001. 2001. Yeah, exactly. So they, they went through like a Butlerian jihad. And eliminated all yeah. the advanced technology. It's perfect. It's the ideal. Okay, that's great. And then, and then, do we just go through the Fast and Furious movies as normal, but just with this added knowledge that right that it's it's just the rise of the machines again. <laughs> that all these all these robots and cars used to be sentient, and they are no longer as, sentient. Correct. Yeah, as like as God's eye and all the dumb like big electromagnets and all that that they start putting into the franchise. The more that happens, the more you're like. Oh, it's oh, all going to end one day. And then we get to the final Fast and Furious movie where mm-hmm. the robots have once again grown too powerful, and so we send them to live on their own planet. Okay. And so then they develop a civilization there way faster than they could have on Earth. Um, but they've left behind some remnants because we didn't get them all gone. So some remnants like a pair of small glasses and a giant cube and a whole robot, and then boom, <laughs> beginning of the Transformers <laughs> franchise. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's very good. We're going to incorporate Michael Bay's Transformers into this. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so then we get, like, Sam Witwicky, and he's, like, he's he was born after the first Jihad, 
and so he doesn't remember right. the Fame time when robots. Man, fought. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> the man of tomorrow. <laughs> he doesn't remember a time when the robots were alive. Right. And so that everyone, it's it's all very new to him. I love that. <laughs> okay, I think we've come to the realization that nothing we say is going to be funnier than too fast, too real, too furious, too steel. <laughs> I don't want you to close it out quite yet because I did notice a tiny, tiny, tiny thing watching this movie, and it's important to me. Okay, so, go go ahead and tell us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Again, you you brought this upon yourself. I you did. You chose I did. this movie. <laughs> So the last final final battle, right? Uh, sponsors that I noticed. Number Bing. one, Bing. Exactly. Number two, Del Taco. <laughs> Very important to me. And then number three is the Xbox 720, which I found out because I again did a lot of research. This is a fictional futuristic Xbox that a lot of people thought was real exclusively because of this really? movie. And I think that is tremendous. Also, while we're talking about that, I am. It's so wholesome to see all these logos that were unchanged since 2010. Like, like, oh yeah, ten years from now, Bing is gonna have exactly the same marketing as they do right now. Bing is the cosmic consistent. <laughs> it is always the same. Bing will never die. <laughs> and then my my third to last note says this movie. Almost hits its stride. <laughs> uh, for sure. You're not wrong. It's it's definitely at its best when it's trying to be like a big, fun robots punching each other. And at its very worst when it tries to be like a story or a movie or anything. That <laughs> when it anything. tries to be a story is when this story really fails. <laughs> well, I think that's, I think we really uh, delved into the depths. I think you two were both sufficiently tortured and punished by... <laughs> Making, Honest, dude. By uh, making to watch real stuff. I don't know if I was tortured okay. though, because I love this movie. <laughs> oh, it's a like, great I movie. had a very difficult time, like finding bad things to like, you know, beyond the obvious ones. Like, I th I think well, it's it's bad in a really like fundamental way, and not bad in like a bunch of specific ways that are funny. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it is. It's just, like, flawed. It's it's a broken movie, but it's still a great time. Like, I, at no point did I find myself not wanting to watch it. It just yeah. I didn't always want to pay very close attention to it. <laughs> I was, I gotta say, I was glad I was taking notes while watching it. I think it made it a lot more fun. Preston, do you have a movie for us? Do you know what you're going to torture us with? <laughs> oh, he's still working. Okay, we can still Okay, let's just let's keep riffing. Let's keep riffing. Do do we want to stay, stay, stay recording for this end little bit? Okay, yep. cool. All right, perfect. Yes. Well, we want we want to hear what movie you have. We're probably going to yeah. cut out everything before that. We'll see though, because this could be fun. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how funny we are when we have when we just are given open space <laughs> with no. You know, that's a good no. point. We've never actually listened back to one of our non-movie conversations. <laughs> if you had to design a robot from the ground up and you had Zeus level budgeting and Zeus level like engineering abilities. Yeah. What what kind of robot would you want? Like what would you want your robot's whole deal to be? I'm pretty into the headless horseman thing we were talking about. <laughs> I really I think that is very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and he'd have like a whole Victorian thing going on. He's got like like a like a overcoat is that what you're saying he's yeah, got like, yeah, yeah, but like, like a coat of metal on it like a bunch of a bunch of frills and an overcoat made of metal oh it'd be sweet and like he's got like a pilgrim collar 
Sure. Actually, absolutely. Yes. But not so high that it could be mistaken for a head. It's really important oh, yeah. to me that it is not mistaken for a head. I think I'd like to amend it just a little bit and say that there's some sort of electromagnet in his neck that can just sort of summon the head back. That's Is it a pumpkin? Yeah, of course it's a pumpkin. Okay, cool. What's his name? But Headless Horseman. That's not cool enough. That's not 2010 stank enough. Okay, you want some stank? I'll give you some stank. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I mean, I, I got nothing. I don't know. <sighs> How about just Horseman? Yeah, that's pretty good. Preston is still still working on Googling. Oh, I've got a movie. He's oh, I got a movie. Furious. <laughs> oh, oh, well, feel man, free okay. to, to chime in. What did you think? Hey, just so I'm clear, did you think we were like, no, don't interrupt us. This is too good. This is so good. This is podcast gold. This is quality content. We got to wait. <laughs> Preston, we are treading water. We are drowning. We are barely treading water. We are like, we are just kind of reaching up, trying to hope that someone reaches their hand down and grabs it. We are both kicking furiously while also dragging the other one down, <laughs> waiting for you to, to, to give us your life raft of this movie idea. All right. So my my movie for ne- you guys for next week is Triple uh, X from 2002. Yes. <laughs> oh, Preston. Preston, my boy. My beautiful boy. I'm so proud. This is perfect. Thank you. I couldn't be more excited about this. For so, so, so many reasons. Okay, do you have any, like, pregame for us? Do you have any assignment we need to do before any we watch homework? Triple X? Ooh. Write down as many, like, late 90s, early 2000s action movie tropes as you can. Oh, good. And then okay. check them off the okay, list as you watch this movie. <laughs> like, make a bingo card. Oh! Make a bingo card. Late 90s, early 2000s action movie tropes. Make a bingo card, and we'll compare. Very good. I'm unironically excited <laughs> about this. Okay, first one, girl fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Twinkie Talk, brought to you by the Evening Brothers. We'll see you next time. I am Brother Lincoln. Brother John. Brother Preston. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I cannot say that, I cannot say that with a straight face. <laughs>